if you're listening to this, you're probably in Alcoholics Anonymous or Cocaine Anonymous or Narcotics, some, some anonymous. You're in a 12-step program. And that program that you're in, people's lives are saved every day. And the mechanism that's used, the tool that's used to save those lives is us. Well, hello, friends of Bill W. and other friends. You have landed on Sober Speak. My name is John M. I am an alcoholic, and we are glad you are all here, especially newcomers. Newcomers, that is, both to recovery as a whole and newcomers to this podcast. Sober Speak is a podcast about recovery centered around the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, my job here on Sober Speak is simple. My job is to provide a platform to the amazing stories of recovery all around us. Consider Sober Speak, if you will, your meeting between meetings. Please remember, we do not speak for AA or any 12 step community. We represent only ourselves. We are here to share our experience, strength, and hope with those who wish to come along for the ride. Take what you want and leave the rest at the curb for the trash man to pick up. Hola, mi amigos and mi amigas. That was the voice of Mr. Bill C. that you heard at the beginning of this episode on here number episode number 178 of Sober Speak. And you will be hearing so much more from him in just a moment regarding step 12. But first things first, this episode is coming at you and brought to you by Tanya and Ronnie and Patricia and Mark. Do you happen to know what Tanya and Ronnie and Patricia and Mark did? Well, let me tell you. They went to our website. Well, you know, I guess, first of all, if I were to really back up, my guess is they went to some sort of store and bought a device, and then they hooked that device up to the internet at some point. And, well, and if I even go back before that, I guess we'd have to go back to the creation of the internet. But uh, anyway, I digress. But they went to our website, SoberSpeak.com. They got out that little device that they bought at some store. It could be an iPad. It could be a PC. Uh, it could be a Mac. It could be a phone. It could be many things. I'm so sorry, folks. Nonetheless, they went to our website. They clicked on the PayPal donate tab and they made a little a contribution. Thank you so much, Tanya and Ronnie and Patricia and Mark to, for going to all that trouble. And uh, this episode is coming right out to Ewan's. I, John M., will be just another bozo on the bus, by the way, will be the chairperson for this meeting between meetings. And I am truly, truly, truly honored and privileged to serve all of you listening in. So take a seat, if you will, around this virtual table and let's get started. Remember now, no matter who you are or what your past looks like, you are welcome here. It is an open table and we are very, excited that you have come to join us. I, last week, 
got to join our little uh, yoga session that we've been having on. And I say we. I really don't have much to do about it except I talk about it, right? Uh, there is a recovery yoga session that we have, and you can go to our website, www.soberspeak.com, and there's a tab that says Sober Resources, and you can find all the login information there. And um, it's on Sundays at 4 o'clock Central. It's free. Megan P. does it. She's absolutely fantastic. But nonetheless, I got to see many of you, many of youans, on the call last week, uh, on the, the the yoga class last week, and it was so so fun and so interesting to you know put a face with the name. So many times I see an email and, or a, a, an Instagram post or uh, an Instagram message, and and I don't get to really put a face with the name. And so it was so great to participate in that event with you all. If anybody else wants to come in and join us, they are welcome on Sunday afternoons at four o'clock Central Standard time. So this week, okay, so I've been going through a, another step study this week that is actually organized by the one and only Mr. David G, who appears on this uh, podcast. Uh, he has appeared on this podcast many times over. But nonetheless, we've been going through this uh, step study. And, it, and uh, I, I went and I did a fifth step last week with my sponsor. It was absolutely fantastic to see him and you know, really pretty much what it came down to afterwards is, you know, I've known him for so long and we've talked about so many things that I really didn't share anything revolutionary with him because I try to keep current with him. You know, our secrets will keep us sick. So I try to get all that out uh, over time and not just, you know, wait until I'm going to do a fifth step. But nonetheless, I ended up feeling just kind of uh, clean and clear headed. Uh, and, you know, once again, like, like what happens with the steps? And I've been through these things many times, right? Done a lot of fist steps, but just kind of going through the process and doing what Alcoholics Anonymous and the steps asked me to do um, brought relief. It brought clarity. Uh, and I just felt like, uh, a, a better man because of it. And I, I also knew that I had done what I needed to do and that it was time well served. So anyway, that's brought up some things. And uh, this week, I called a hotel. Well, well let, let me give you a little backstory. A couple of years ago when uh, we were traveling for business, I don't, I, you know, <laughs> since last year with COVID, uh, we haven't traveled much at all, you know, and I've, I've been a pretty heavy business traveler over the years. Nonetheless, I was in, I was in Las Vegas, uh, probably about a year and a half ago or so now, not too long ago. And I was in Las Vegas and uh, it, it was this, you know, nice hotel. And uh, I, I got up to the room and I, I had traveled with some fruit that I had in my bag, some apples, pears, stuff like that, because I, I just eat a ton of fruit, believe it or not. Nonetheless, um, I called down to the front desk and I asked them, I, I was wondering where the refrigerator was. You know, sometimes they have them in there, sometimes they don't. And I said, hey, is there a fridge in here I'm missing? Or, you know, is there a way to get one? And they said, well, yes, sir, we can uh, send you up a mini refrigerator if you would like. Um, however... Uh, unless it is for medical supplies that are needed to be refrigerated, it will cost you, and I think it was like $20, $25, something like that. That's what's going on. That's what I remembered in my head. And uh, I said, well, then, uh, it's for 
medical supplies. <laughs> so they delivered the fridge. I did my business trip and I got back home. But you know, ever since then, every time like the word nine would come up or, or, or I would see the number nine or I would think about amends or I would be sitting in a meeting and the topic of amends would come up. It that kept coming up in my head and I just couldn't shake it. So this week I decided to go ahead and call that particular hotel. I asked for the front desk manager. He got on the phone and I told him what my quest was. I said, Hey, listen, man, here's what happened. I was there back in so-and-so, uh, you know, this is my name. I requested a fridge at the time. I told them it was for medical supplies, and that was a lie. And I just want to go ahead and give you some money for that. And I, I've got my credit card here, and I'm sitting, I'm ready. And so he said, uh, well, I'm a little shocked, sir. Uh, first of all, I've never, ever had anybody call up <laughs> this particular type of scenario. So I'm not sure what to do. I said, listen, man, if I remember right, it was like $25. Just, you know, apply it to some sort of miscellaneous charge with the hotel. You could put it on my room from when I was there, you know, just do whatever you need. You could charge me for a movie. You could charge me for, I, do whatever you want to do. I'm sitting here and I got my credit card. And and we went back and forth for about five minutes. He goes, really, sir, I, I, I don't want to take your money. If and when you're back here, you know, you can come and have a conversation with me and maybe we can, you know, work out something when you're here. And I was like, please, I'm like begging the guy, please, please, sir, let me pay you the money. And uh, eventually he just wouldn't take it. And uh, I suggested to him every way that I knew possible, but... I never got to pay him, but you know, from my perspective, at least it, it's it's off the list now. And if and when I do go back there, I'm going to take him cash. I wrote down his name, and I'm going to put it on in the counter, and I'm going to say, "Take this. I don't care what you do with it. Give it away to somebody else." But I don't want it. And uh, anyway, he tells me, and he said, "Sir, I know you're talking about twenty five dollars, but it's really just fifteen dollars." And I'm like. Okay, well, you could take 25, you could take 15, you can add some interest on it. I don't care. But anyway, so that was my week. I just wanted to let you know that. All right. Now, I'm going to give you a couple of pieces of listener feedback on the front end here. As you know, regular listeners know at least, I usually would do the listener feedback at the end before we go in to the actual episode. It's or, or after we've done the actual episode itself. But I, I got a couple of them here that I just wanted to read on the front end. This one is from Irma. Irma writes in, and she's kind of mocking me here. <laughs> <laughs> she says, Hola, amigo. Como estas? <laughs> Three question marks. A little Spanish for you and a big smiley face. She says, My name is Irma and I live in Corpus Christi, Texas. Yay! All big capital letters and three, exclamation, three exclamation points. She says, I have been sober since August 6th of 2018. I just started listening to your podcast two months ago, and I am so happy I found you. It would be my honor to be part of the super duper secret Facebook group. Oh no, I'm, am I going to change the name of it to super duper? 
as opposed to just super secret Facebook group? Oh, and then she says, please, and then praying hands. She says, I picture myself being a speaker in one of your episodes someday with a smiley face. When I was actively drinking, I didn't know about AA. I knew that I didn't want to drink and how I drink, and I didn't know why I couldn't stop. I felt crazy, and the only way I thought I could stop was if I got into a car accident and be in a coma, and I would wake up a brand new person who didn't drink like me. Well, you know what? I think that sounds like a good Good plan. Just kidding. For anybody out there, just kidding. That's not really a good plan. Anyway, she says, or maybe if I just got married and have some babies, then I would straighten up. I was introduced to Ahab, to, excuse me, to Ahab, AA and rehab. <laughs> In 2015, I thought it was the craziest shit I had ever heard. <laughs> Five exclamation points. I didn't want to stop drinking. Uh, I just wanted to control it. I ignored everything I learned at rehab and didn't stay sober. Then I got pregnant and I thought, okay, this is it. I won't drink again, but I did. After my son was born, I drank for a year and a half until I had to go back to rehab. Oh no. She says, this time it was different. That's good. I was ashamed and felt so much more guilt. After I got out, I did everything I was told to do. A lot of crazy stuff has happened. Uh, these past two and a half years, but I have remained sober with the help of my AA family and my higher power, whom I choose to call God. My life is so different today, and every day I wake up without that mental obsession of alcohol. I feel free and so blessed. I am so grateful for all of my recovery people like you reaching out to alcoholics. Then she says, Muchas gracias for what you do, hermano. <laughs> she says, That's a little Spanglish. <laughs> For you, love, <laughs> Amiga Day Bill, Irma G. <laughs> She's referencing <laughs> the fact that I have tried to say, what is a friend of Bill W. Uh, in past episodes? And uh, I came up with Amiga Day Bill. I think that's right, <laughs> I'm not completely sure. Nonetheless, okay, one more. Johnny writes in. By the way, that's what they called me when I was a, a youngster. Johnny. Anyway, or Johnny says, grateful. Uh, oh, the, the subject line is grateful. Oh, and then he's got this big picture of him attached with a smiling face and his thumbs up. It's just such a an encouraging picture. And he says, hello, John. I'm listening to Sober Speak right now as I couldn't find a Zoom meeting to go to this afternoon. This is the struggle that will define my life as I go forward. And I'm so grateful to share the journey with you. I just wanted you to know that the work you do is and continues to be a bright spot in my life. Oh, so nice, Johnny. He says, Sober Speak has brought me new experiences like yoga. He was in our yoga class last week, folks. Come on in and meet Johnny and, and the ever-expanding community. He says, I'm making new friends and I feel as if, as if I'm finding a purpose 
uh, in all that has happened. Thank you very much, my friend, Bill, excuse me, all the best, Johnny. Well, thank you, Johnny. I appreciate it. We enjoyed seeing you in the yoga class. Thank you for the picture you sent. I really appreciate it, and I'm glad you're on the right track, my friend. All the best back at you. All right, everybody. Now, we are on to Mr. Bill C. Addressing Step 12 of Alcoholics Anonymous. And for those of you who may be new, you say, what is Step 12, John M.? Well, let me tell you. It is having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, I present to you Mr. Bill C. And we will have plenty of listener feedback at the end of this ep. Enjoy, Bill C. Okay, everybody. So we are back again with the one and only Mr. Bill C. So Bill C, will you please go ahead just to kind of start us off here, introduce yourself, give your sobriety date if you wish. And for those who haven't caught the other episodes, go ahead and tell people which corner of the world that you live in. Hey, everybody. My name's Bill. I'm an alcoholic. My sobriety date is March the 27th, 1985. And I'm in Torrance, California, which is Southwest LA. And we have had Bill on, uh, just in case you're going to be listening to Bill for the first time, if you want to go back and listen to any of the other Bill C episodes we have, all you got to do is look for Bill C. I was telling Bill before we started here that we're working on the website, and eventually what we want to do is be able to have uh, all of Bill C's episodes uh, kind of stratified and located in the website in one particular arena where you can go and you can see all those, but uh, we'll take it a step at a time. So, uh, you know, and I also want to bring up, Bill, what we were talking about beforehand here. Uh, there was some guy who emailed me earlier in the week just saying how much he really enjoyed Bill C's episodes. And I replied and copied you on it. And he had a lot of, uh, 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 he had some more things written about his story in there. And he replied back and said, well, welcome to the transplant club. <laughs> and that just cracked me up so much. Bill, well, you've had a transplant, right? Do you get many people talking to you about the transplant club? Oh, oh yeah. You know, I'm the only guy in Alcoholics Anonymous with a bad liver. You know, <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of hep C people and transplant people out there. So we kind of have our own little special group, you know, so every once in a while I'll run into somebody that's had a liver transplant. It's always good. I mean, one of the beauties of AA is that we deal with experience, you know, and when I was getting ready to have a transplant, it really helped me immensely to talk to people that had had one. And what that was like. So, yeah, there's a little club in AA called the Liver Transplant Club. Very <laughs> exclusive. <laughs> oh, it's kind of like AA, not one of those clubs that you really want to get in when you're yeah. growing up. But once yeah. you end up there, at least you know there are others doing the same thing. It's not really a career path. You just kind of end up there. <laughs> 
<laughs> and we're also talking about, I want to cover this real quick because, uh, you know, I always like people to hear kind of like some of the conversations that are going on before we hit the record button. We were talking about uh, you, a sponsor, uh, Mr. Matthew M., uh, who has had uh, several episodes on this uh, podcast as well. And uh, JJS uh, is actually your sponsor. And uh, you guys, uh, we talked about this on other episodes before, but just in case those uh, who have not heard it before, uh, tell uh, tell folks a little bit about that relationship you have with those two gentlemen. Well, my sponsor, Jay, is uh, 41 years sober. He's been my sponsor for 35 years, the entire time I've been sober. And uh, the joke is I should have fired him several times, but he needs me now. So we're really stuck <laughs> with each other. <laughs> and then I've sponsored Matthew for 20 years or so or something like that. For well, I wasn't his first sponsor, but I sponsored Matthew for a long time. And what happened is we got invited to go to uh, or I got invited to go to Iceland to do a weekend workshop. And they wanted me to invite two other people to come and do a weekend. So I thought, well, I'll get my sponsor for sure and I'll get Matthew. So we went over there and we we did this weekend long retreat and it went so well. We had such a good time with it. And that recording on XA speakers got out and we kind of went on tour for a while. You know, we we've got one coming up here again in the next. And out of that, we uh, that's where the kitchen table AA, that's my email address, Bill C at kitchen table And that kind of came out of that, like sitting across the kitchen table. And essentially what it has been is a, is a weekend workshop on sponsorship, you know, yeah. and what that looks like. And it's my sponsor, me and a guy that I sponsor. And, you know, somebody called us monkeys with machine guns, you know, and it's uh, <laughs> quite funny. And that there's a, if you've had the experience of working with people for a long time, we've got a lot of stories, you know, I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of different stories and each one of those weekend workshops has been really different one from the other, you know, but it's uh it's been a real treat and a blessing to be able to do something like that with people that I care so deeply about and have had such a profound impact on me. We've had a profound impact on each other, you know, and it's fun to be able to share that. Well, you just gave me an idea. Um, and we ought to, at some point here, get, you because I have the technology, we could do this. Um, get you and Matthew and Jay on a call, do a little bit of recording. I don't know if we'd call it kitchen table AA or uh, monkeys with machine guns, but <laughs> I think either would be apropos. <laughs> yeah, <you know. laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, so, so you do it, and it's, uh, it's strictly on sponsorship, and, and that kind of gives me another idea, um, is that we ought to do – I don't think I've ever done uh, an episode strictly on sponsorship. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I get a lot of people who, who uh, email me or message me through Facebook, and, and you know the question, how do, I, how do I pick a sponsor, you know, how, or how do I sponsor and all that sort of stuff. So I think it would be – really great to take a, a deep dive in that particular rain, arena with uh, both uh, all three of you guys. Would you be up for that? Yeah, I'm sh- yeah absolutely. We, we love doing it. We love doing it with each other. And, uh, you know, all of us have been around a long time, so we can kind of fashion it 
I mean, really, it kind of morphs into spiritual experience and crisis management. You know, I mean, essentially, as a sponsor, you're a crisis manager. Right. And and if you have a sponsor, then you have your own crisis manager because everybody's <laughs> going through some shit. You know, I mean, it's like, and and so there's a there's a great it it isn't as dry as this is how you read the book with people. It's more about the experience of it, and and how how that changes you as a person. What a transformative experience it is. You know, I mean. The, the spirituality in Alcoholics Anonymous or any service-oriented spiritual path is about interaction one with the other. That's what it's about. That's, that's how spiritual experiences that I've had usually involve another person. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's kind of like that. It isn't a solitary thing. And, you know, I want to let you know something also, but, you know, from, from all of these sessions that we have uh, recorded together, uh, uh, first of all, I, I've learned uh, a lot from them. Uh, one of the main things that I have really picked up from having conversations with you is nothing is personal. Uh, I know that's one of your uh, taglines or mainstays or things that you like to talk about a lot. And 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 I absolutely Love that, but I've also uh, I've I've read a couple of uh, books lately. One of them is The Power of Now. Oh yeah, which I had not read, uh, and I can definitely see for those of you. I'm sorry, what's the name of that author again? Eckhart Tolle. Yeah, Eckhart Tolle. For those of you who uh, really you know enjoy Bill and his. Um, you know, his philosophy on life and, you know, how he goes about life and how his brain processes it and all that stuff. I would highly recommend that book. Uh, you could see how that book has definitely had an influence on you in your life. And I, I, I think it's fantastic. He has a second one too called The New Earth. It was a follow up to that. And both of them are the same. It's really a series of talks that he gave that have been transcribed. And, uh, it's very good, and it's yeah. knowledge. It's you know he's the kind of the new voice of non-dual thinking, a newer voice. He's not even the newest anymore. He's been around a while now. You know, he's getting old. <laughs> yeah, but and, and I the voice I could hear. You know, I could tell you that there's many times where I have been uh, in bed trying to get to sleep at night lately, and. You know, my mind will be kind of doing the Grand Central Station thing, all kinds of thoughts rolling around my head. I got, you know, my roommate in there, you know, my my uh, subconscious or whatever you want to call it. And I can't slow it down. And then I bring it back to the breath and I bring it back to I just keep saying the word now, now, now. And there's something inside of me that uh, really has taken to that. And, and I appreciate your your input in that arena. All right. So what I want to do here today, we are last time that you and I left off, we were talking about the 11th step. And so now we're at step 12 and you you know, we, we go through this. uh, I've been through this with other uh, people that I've had on the, on the podcast before. And the step 12, as you know, is, is basically broken down into three parts and at least that's the traditional way you break it down but what i want to do here real quick is just read a a portion of 
the 12th step from the 12 and 12. Uh, this is on page 106. And then just get your thought on this and we'll just see where the conversation kind of meanders from here. So step 12, the joy of living is the theme of AA's 12th step and action is the key word. Here we turn outward toward our fellow alcoholics who are still in distress. Here we experience the kind of giving that asks no rewards. Here we begin to practice all of 12 steps of the program in our daily lives so that we and those about us may find emotional sobriety. And you've already referenced this a couple of times, just in the first 10 minutes or so we've been talking here uh, regarding the spiritual experience and carrying this message. But what are your thoughts regarding the 12 step? And what do you think about what I just read there? So, um, spiritual condition is what's going to keep us sober. Our spiritual condition and the maintenance of that condition is what's going to give us a a fulfilling and productive life. Um, That spiritual condition is what's going to help bring about intimacy with others in all relationships. And if it's true that what alcoholics and drug addicts really suffer from when they get sober is emotional immaturity, then there's going to be a process that's going to happen. That's going to cause us to grow up emotionally because we missed it when we were kids, we were loaded. And uh, how does that actually come about? You know, like in the, in the other steps we philosophize, I philosophize a little bit about what are the pillars of that spiritual condition? You know, the first one is powerlessness, realizing how utterly powerless that we are, that lack of power is not our dilemma. We don't need any power. (laughs) It's like the recognition that we don't have power is a key component, and and understanding at a visceral level or a gut level, not just intellectually, you know, that I'm utterly powerless and I don't need any, right? I am not separate. I'm not not disconnected from anything. There's nothing missing in me. I've got the illusion that there's something missing that I have to go get, you know, powerlessness combined with, I have to stop blaming other people for my problems. And then in the, in the amends process is I learned that nothing is really personal. So at that point, this construct of who I think I am, this ego in me, What the hell am I defending? If nothing's personal and I can't blame you for my problems and I don't have any power to change anything anyway, what is it I'm struggling against? Who do I think I am? That leads us into self-awareness. And what we talked about last time in 10 and 11 is self-awareness, making amends in the present moment. I've developed a skill of the watcher where I can actually watch myself move through life. You know, and I don't have to crush or kill the ego. All I have to do is observe it and see it for what it is. And I recognize, especially in meditation, that I am not my thinking mind. So I don't have to go where it wants to take me. Okay, so talk about that a little bit there. The skill of the watcher, being in meditation, watching yourself and observing yourself. Can you dive a little deeper in that? In meditation, I can watch my breath. I think we talked about this last time. At least I suspect so. But anyway... I can watch myself 
think. And by doing that, I, I close my eyes and I focus on the breath, focus my mind on the breath going in and out of my nose. And the little ego that presented itself when I was two and a half years old, <laughs> and I've been nurturing it, it, it holds the idea of who I think I am. Uh, totally calls it the, uh, I'm probably paraphrasing badly, but the egoic construct of who I think I am. I mean, this, this is what I'm defending. This is the aspect of me that reads your mind and wonders what it is you're thinking about me, right? Okay. It, it, it gives motivation to people that I think are against me. And I, and I don't know what your motivation, but I create a motivation that this, this, this asshole doesn't like me and I've got to defend my, whatever it is, you know? I mean, why did that person look at me funny like that? I wonder what they're thinking. And you create stuff. You create drama that isn't there. You're taking things personal that are not personal. And so you're creating the drama of your life. In, the, in India, they call it the Leela, the dance, the dance of life, the drama, right? And if you want to stop dancing, someone has to stop dancing, you know? It's like we're all <laughs> dancing around in this fever dream of who we think we are and what you're motivated by and all of this stuff, all this stuff. That feeling of separation we had when we were kids, you know, the thing that people call alcoholic thinking, which isn't really, you know, all of this fantasy of the way we perceive the world around us. And AA teaches us there's going to be a psychic change, right? We're going to see things differently. There's going to be a shift in consciousness somewhere because this whole pathway is about transformation. You know, we enter it, hopefully figuring out how we can stop drinking, and then we become transformed. I mean, this is a real thing. This actually happens. I've witnessed it in others and, and recognized it in myself. I've been transformed. So when the ego doesn't want to be in the present moment, focused on the breath, it will wander away from the breath. And then you notice you, some other you, other than your thinking mind, notices that it has moved away from the breath and it gently brings it back. You gently bring it back to the breath. This is absolute conclu conclu conclusive proof that who you are is not your thinking mind. The mm -hmm. essence of your being is not the egoic or thinking mind that you deal with all the time. This is a game-changing experience. This means I can finally stop working on myself I'm just feeding the beast, right? I think in the last talk, I talked about some experiences I've had with this. You know, at 20 years sober, I got really sick and I started meditating with some intent, not to get rid of my sickness. I, I know that can't happen. You know, you know, certainly miracles happen, but they've not been happening like that in my life, you know? I mean, I'm not praying to be saved. I'm praying for some peace. I'm just getting quiet, trying to find some internal peace trying to learn how to accept the situation just exactly as it is, as compared to trying to change the outside world so that I feel better. That simply doesn't work, right? And we keep looking for evidence that that works, and I've not found any. You know? Why do we get so caught up in that, trying to change the outside world well, I think so that we feel better? The spirituality of life gets confused with morality and right and wrong. You know, I mean, and... and you look out in nature, there's no morality in nature. Things just are. 
But the human mind, the egoic mind, determines that things need to be different, that there's good and there's bad. And in nature, the things just are. There's no morality play going on. You know, everything out there in nature is eating everything else. You know, I mean, it's, it's a nightmare out there. <laughs> and we look at it and we said it should be different. So we create fantasy lands, like someday in the future, when we pass on, we'll enter this beautiful, blissful place, you know. I mean, even the theologians, even the mystics, even the Christian philosophy or any philosophy talks about heaven on earth. There's no place you go to. It is here right now. The kingdom of heaven is among us, right? And we look at that and we go, no, man, it's awful here. <laughs> the insanity that's going on right now. And all of us, including me, thinks that if it was different, I would feel better. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't change. And I suffer because of that. So in the meditation I was doing when I got really sick and my liver was failing, things were happening, I've been just looking for internal peace. That's all I'm looking for. I just want some peace. And, and I've learned over the time that I can be in pain and I can be miserable, but I can be quiet. You know, I can accept it. I can relax into what's going on. That's called acceptance. <laughs> That's a recognition of powerlessness. Powerlessness is the problem. If I really grasp that I'm powerless, acceptance just happens. It's an mm -hmm. offshoot of powerlessness. It isn't an issue in and of itself. You know, the reason I'm not accepting things is I think I have power and I can change. Things need to be different, and I'm hanging on to that. This surrender process can be very painful. Self-awareness does not mean that the behavior goes away. It just means that you can see it now. But it's a step further, right? Step further. It's the beginning of the end of it. Once you can see it and you stop blaming other people for your problems and start blaming the outside world for the way it is and own your own life, acceptance starts to happen. You know, it doesn't mean I have to like what's going on. I can even take actions to change things. But I do have to accept things the way they are. If there is ever to be any internal peace in me and people around me. Now, the people that I pursue, that I look up to, that are have mentors of mine, gurus, etc., seem to have this. You know, I mean, I've met many people in AA over the years that seem to have this. And when you say this, when you say this, you're talking about the self-awareness and the acceptance, yeah, correct? Yes. Yes. Peacefulness, you know, peacefulness, um, loving kindness, that kind of thing that they exude. Like when you run into somebody that uh, um, you meet them and you look up to them and they invite you into their life, they're as interested in listening to you is they are talking to you, you know, and you'll meet people that have this smoothness where the ego seems to be, have been drained out of what it is they're doing. And this can be a person that can be, you consider to be a prominent individual, somebody that's in your perceived hierarchy of the world, you know, and when you meet them, they don't look at it like that at all. <laughs> and that's kind of what you learn from them, you know, is this kind of, easiness and that's what i'm looking for that's what, you know i look i've met some men over the years especially men but some women too but i look at them and i go that's what i want to be when i grow up whatever that whatever that is whatever i get from them what compassion i feel from them i would like people to feel from me 
you know, and you begin to emulate them. Let me take a little break here. We will be continuing our conversation with Bill C. in just a moment. Just a reminder, you are listening to Sober Speak. You can find us on the World Wide Web at SoberSpeak.com. There you will find approximately 170 or so other episodes you can listen to for free. You can also find the donate button on our website, which you can use if and only if the Spirit moves you to do such. Please keep in mind this is a podcast funded by you. The listener, self uh, sober speak is a self supporting organization through our own contributions. We are not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organization, or institution. We do not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorse nor oppose any causes. All right, now back to Mr. Bill C. All right, so we're talking about this the self awareness, this acceptance. Do you want to kind of flush that out a little bit more? Okay, so. Here's what we have, what I what I like to call the five pillars of spiritual condition. And, you know, you have powerlessness, you stop the blaming, nothing is personal, self-awareness. So th- this brings us to the 12th step now. Now, the way I like to express this is steps one through nine is about 10% of the program. It's not the work that we talk about. You know, it, it's sober 101. It's the first semester. The work is in nine, at 10, 11, and 12. That's, that's where we live. It incorporates all the other steps. And the primary thing that was missing in me as I was growing up and as I got to you at 37 years old, and I didn't know this was missing because I, I didn't have it before, so I didn't know anything had been removed. I never learned it. And what that is is compassion. The primary indicator of somebody that's narcissistic and self-centered is lack of compassion. Everything is personal. You know, it's always your fault. Nothing is their fault. You know, it's not my fault. It's your fault. The reason I scream in your face is because of what you said and what you did. If you didn't behave that way, I would not be forced to scream in your face. So it's like that. You live a life that's like that. Very small, enclosed, shut down. No compassion. I can't feel you in my life. And I don't know that. I don't know that I don't have that. I'm not aware of that. I can't stand outside myself and have a separate experience to determine that there's anything wrong by comparing it to the experience that I'm having. I'm, I'm a God of my own. I'm, I'm a standalone individual and I am alone and I feel alone. I feel separate from everything around me. So we come into Alcoholics Anonymous, we begin to work these steps, and the transformation begins, especially in the ninth step. When I go to people I don't ever want to see again, and I say the words that need to be said, when I turn and walk away from that experience, I am changed right then and there. Cathartic experience. That will change you as a person. This is the doorway into self-awareness. I begin some meditative practice. I get used to what the, the, the present moment feels like so that when I'm not there, I notice that. And I can return to it. So I have a bit of a practice about what the present moment feels like. Then we get into the 12th step, right? In my story, I met this man. He worked the steps with me. At six months sober, I did a fifth step. And by the end of my first year, I was making amends and I was sponsoring guys. And I've always done that. I've always, I've never not done that. I've always sponsored people. I've never drifted away from AA. I've always gone to meetings, as many as when I was new, of course not. 
my life got large, you know. If I'm living in the rooms of AA, I think there may be something wrong, you know. It's like, <laughs> I got a wife, I got kids, now I have grandkids, I had a business to run, I coached soccer, I scuba dived, I rode a bicycle, I went drag racing, I had a life, you know, I had a big life, and uh, which is what we're looking for. I want a big life. I want to have some fun, you know. It's yeah. all not about going to 850,000 meetings a week, you know, and hiding out in AA, you know, where I think we're supposed to go back out into the world, you know, that's what, so, so I'm, I'm sponsoring people, right? So my sponsor told me, and this is what I tell guys, the reason I'm doing this with you is to show you how to do it with others. That's why I'm doing this, you know, and he said to me, if you work these steps, my job is to guide you through the process of the 12 steps that maybe, maybe you'll have a spiritual awakening. Maybe you'll never drink again for the rest of your life. That's my hope for myself. That's my hope for you. I hope that happens one day at a time, of course. But the shot, the shot is let's, let's go out and have a real life. Okay. Now, the mechanism for doing it, stop and think about this. Just stop. Think about where you are. You, if you're listening to this, you're probably in Alcoholics Anonymous or Cocaine Anonymous or Narcotics, some, some anonymous. You're in a 12-step program. And that program that you're in, people's lives are saved every day. Every day, people's lives are saved. And the mechanism that's used, the tool that's used to save those lives is us. It's us. We drive the car. We say the words. We answer the phone. We make the phone calls. We answer the phones at the central office. We send out 12-step workers. We, you know, we remember your name when you come back to the meeting the second or third time, and you've never forgotten the fact that I remembered your name because yeah. I've forgotten the fact that somebody remembered my name. That meant a lot to me. And you can't cop to it because it seems kind of weird, you know, but... You know, you walk into this place, you don't know anybody. You're not you're not part of because you're not part of, right? And then there's people around that came up to you and made you feel part of. They invited you to go with them somewhere. They asked you if you had a chair in the room. They asked you if you want a cup of coffee and showed you where the coffee was. They showed you the ropes. And these were people that you could ask questions of, and they didn't make you feel stupid because you didn't know. That's called compassion right? That's called identification. And it doesn't come from you. It came from them. Someone taught them to do that. They are as selfish and self-centered as you are. They seem to be going through some kind of a transformation because they're reaching out to you unsolicited for no apparent good reason. You know, all of us have a story about that. All of us remember there was a guy that helped that stood outside in the parking lot of the Hermosa Beach Alano Club and talked to me for 45 minutes after a meeting one time. His name was Larry. He later became the manager of the, of the Alano Club, and he became a friend of mine. You know, His daughter came in and got sober sometime later along with me. And Larry was stood there and talked to me. And I remember leaving there that night going, man, that guy really liked me. You know, Then I found out later, later Larry would talk to anybody. <laughs> can you imagine how many lives that man saved yeah. by being like that by being friendly like that he was a big guy with a loud voice he put his arm around you kind of grab you whether you wanted him to or not he was one of those guys he was invasive right <laughs> but every time you saw larry what'd you do 
you smiled. Wow. Larry made you smile. You know, I mean, Larry was a funny guy and he was warm and he was loving and he was kind. You know, that's called compassion. That's what I'm missing when I walk in here. I don't understand that. I don't even recognize it much. Some of those people seem a little too pushy to me. Like I'm kind of defensive a little bit and I'm an extrovert. So we get to the 12 step and the, the big lesson, the fifth pillar of spiritual condition in, in our spiritual pathway and any r- real spiritual pathway is compassion. Now, compassion has to be learned. How do you learn compassion? In six and seven, when you get on your knees and you ask God to remove these defects of character, how practically does it happen? Do they just disappear? Hasn't been my experience. If you want to, if you want to address your character defects, sponsor people. You'll run mm-hmm. into every one of them, right? Every one of them. That's right. You'll look across the room and you'll judge people. You'll see some guy walk in the room and you go, "Oh, he's one of those." You know, you have no idea who that guy is, right? But you judge and you start beginning because of some self awareness. You realize, God damn, I sure judge a lot. I think I should be different. I should not judge so much. Oh, how practically, how does that happen, right? Well, if you're sponsoring people, if you open your heart to this work, you know, to really aggressively go out and work with others, because that's why we're here, my opinion, but I think it's a good one. I really like it. <laughs> what else are we supposed to do here? You know, there's, there's really nothing else to do. Everything else is an activity. What's the real action in AA? If you open your heart to this work, whatever prejudice you have will walk across the room and ask you for help. Mm -hmm. Now you have a choice to make. You can send it away so that you don't have to confront your prejudice or you can let it in and see what happens. Right. So here's a story for you. This is a true story. This guy walks across the room one day and he asked me for help. He says, I really need a sponsor. I heard you share, and I like what you have to say, will you sponsor me? I think I should tell you that I'm gay. And I looked right at him and I said very openly, I wasn't offended by that, but I said, wouldn't you rather have a gay sponsor? And he says, no. He says, I've got the gay thing down pretty good. (laughs) my ass. (laughs) Now, I stood there at that moment. I thought, well, who knew, man? I guess I thought something else, you know? Right. And I sponsored that guy. And he let me into his world. He let me into his life. And I let him into mine. And I fell in love with him. You know, little medication. He got killed in an ATM robbery later on. Broke my heart. Oh, my God. Absolutely broke my heart. But I learned a lot from that little man. You know, I learned a lot. You know, I think maybe he learned some stuff from me. I helped him make some amends. He had a hell of, you know, and, I, and I've been let in. Now, this has happened to me time and time again. I'm a middle-class white guy. I have sponsored Mexican gangbangers. Oh, where the hell else would that happen? You know, than Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, I've worked with black guys. I've worked with gay men. I've done, you know, I've just, and I've worked with a lot of people who look just like me, too. You know, I mean, it's like, but it it has made my life huge against my will. It's like, you know, you just, you just, you never say no. 
because you don't want to control the experience, right? Like I've heard people say that, you know, well, I don't sponsor people on medication. Now, when I hear somebody say that, I move away from them. So when <laughs> it comes, I won't be collateral damage. <laughs> I'm as arrogant as the next person, but I'm drawing the line. I have no idea why you're sent to me, but I've been doing it long enough now to know don't shut off the pipe. That's right. Be working pretty well. Mm-hmm. You know, now I have my opinions about medication. Who cares what my opinions are? This is a person standing in front of me asking for help. How could I possibly say no? How do I know that they don't need to hang on to me for a while until they find the right person to be with? That's happened to me a lot. You know, I've had guys that just disappeared out of my life. This one guy in particular, and I did, he just, we're working the steps together and he just never showed up again, never saw him again. And then like four or five years later, I run into him in a meeting and I, and he comes up to me, he goes, you remember me? And they go, yeah, whatever help happened to you? And he says, oh, once I got rid of you and got Tommy to work with me, I've been doing great. <laughs> <laughs> and we just both stood there and laughed, you know? I mean, I have no idea how I'm to be used, right? So this is how you exercise the compassion muscle, Right. Then this is when you re, you begin to realize that there has been something missing. The character defects are easy to spot. What about the parts of me that never developed? I think that's a key component to this transformation. There's parts of me that never developed. You know, I, I've been busy, right? So now I'm going to be working with others and I'm going to exercise this compassion muscle. And I got, I got really, uh, into this big time you know i mean i still am but i'm a little older now so i'm slower but the way i was raised is you go after them you know you don't wait for them to give you their number you know or give you wait for them to call you you get their number right and if you spot some guy that's especially weird go after him because he's going to be entertaining you know (laughs) i got into that i really got into it i became obsessed with it really now, Sandy Beach used to say something. He says, if you've really had a spiritual awakening, you can't not do this mm-hmm. because this is what it's all about. This is the real action compared to the activity is working with others. Now, I've learned several things from this, usually always in hindsight. The first 10 years I was in Alcoholics Anonymous, I was working diligently to try to make a name for myself in an anonymous organization. My motivation was all about to look good. Now, in my story, drinking, I was the phony biker with the clip-on earring. In Alcoholics Anonymous, I became the phony AA guru, right? And and how do you do that? Well, you're motivated by self. I want to be the speaker. I want to be in charge. I'm looking for devotees and followers, right? because I see that around me. I think that there's a hierarchy in AA. And if I'm going to be around here because I'm having a good time with it and I like it, I'm going to climb that AA corporate ladder and get into the hierarchy. You know, I'm going to be one of those guys. Now, was I conscious of this completely? No, not entirely. Not when it was happening. It's just my way. It's just the way I do things. I've always done things. I'm the extrovert. I'm the loud, arrogant, pompous kind of guy. Now, these are character defects. How do you work through them? By pretending that you're not like that? Uh, I don't think that works. 
can I, I'm powerless, remember? I can't make myself be different than I am. I'm going to have to have a series of experiences that now that I'm awake, I'm going to learn from them. And some of them are going to be painful. Some of them are going to be quite blissful. My friend Matthew says, sometimes the next indicated thing is really cool. You know, it's right. not always negative, but a lot of it is. And the end result of humiliation is humility. You know, that's one pathway. That has happened to me. You know, there's <laughs> an interesting thing that happens between around eight and 12 years sober. And uh, the collapse of the alibi system. You know, I mean, we've talked about when nothing's personal and, and I've got self-awareness, what is it I'm defending? You know, well, the way this manifested itself in my life is I had a very public and painful fall from grace. I was married. I had a couple of kids. I had a nice home. My business was doing better. I'm 10 years sober. And I started fooling around on my wife with a girl in AA. And I left my family and my wife and I hooked up with this girl and then she dumped me. And I ended up living alone in my storeroom over my office in El Segundo, California, humiliated, hurt, angry, and just as much emotional pain as I've ever been in in my life. It was awful. It was awful. And I can't blame anybody, can I? Right? The blaming is over, right? Whose fault is this that this happened? I'm a, I'm a sober guy, right? And I'm, and I'm touting myself. I'm speaking around. People are looking up to me. I've got the devotees. And they all left me like rats leaving a sinking ship, man. It was mm. awful. And I had to walk back into Alcoholics Anonymous with eggs sliding off the side of my face. Fortunately, I didn't run away. But it was a, one of the most, probably the most painful time in my life because I'm stone cold sober and I had to look at this. And there were people around me that were helping me, but they also laughed at me. You know, I mean, there were, there were a lot of people that were happy to see my fall from grace. Now, one of the things that when you become a phony AA guru, one of the things that ways that that looks is that you're not really talking to your sponsor. You don't have to. You, you've got everything figured out. You're the man. So you're not really accountable to anybody. And you're doing stuff that's in secret that you don't want people to know because it's bad. Right. So you're phony. You're a phony. You know, I'm not only a hypocrite, I'm a liar and I'm leading people to believe that I'm living in a certain way and I'm not. And this all got exposed and fell apart. So I reconnected with my sponsor and I said, I need some help. Now, I'll never forget this. We were at a retreat together and I wrote some stuff down and he looked at me and goes, oh, you actually wrote some stuff down. My goodness, this must be serious, which I didn't like much. And I said to him, I said, man, I need some help. You need to help me. And he says, go find God. And I said to him, I don't need mindless platitudes. I need some real practical help. I'm not some goddamn newcomer. Don't treat me that way. And he stood up. We were sitting on a bench and he never yelled at me. You know, we, we don't yell at sometimes maybe. But he walked over to me and he leaned over me and he yelled in my face. He says, there is nothing else. You talk a good game. Go do it. And I almost hit him. You know, I did not want to hear that. You know, I'm looking for psychotherapy, I guess, something. But this is a spiritual path, isn't it? It's not psychotherapy. It's not good psychotherapy. 
You know, we try to do that with each other, but it doesn't work well. We treat the spiritual aspect of human nature and the mental and the physical follow. It says that very clearly, and I believe that. That's my experience with this. So I had to start reading the 24-hour-a-day book in the morning and getting on my knees and asking God for help and all that lame stuff. The lame stuff when you transcend it, when you're in level three sobriety, right? You know, level three sobriety is when you realize there are no levels. There's only level one. And I was not doing that. Now, this is sponsorship. My sponsor sponsored me. When I asked for help, he gave it to me. He told me what he knew. And he told me things like, "You, there will come a time in your sobriety where you will be reduced to prayer and meditation. So it's not only good enough to sponsor people. I need to be sponsored. I need to be accountable to somebody. And since that time, there's a lot more people that I'm accountable with than just my sponsor now. But I certainly am accountable to him. And there's been times where he's been accountable to me. I've done fifth steps with guys I sponsor in order to break down that hierarchy of sponsor sponsee thing, because that's not really what I'm looking for. I just want to be close to you. And in sponsoring people, I've learned about compassion. I've learned that I have compassion, that I can feel you in my life today. And there's been a series of experiences that have brought that together. Just recently, just recently this happened. Things have come out of my mouth that I did not know that I knew. Things have come out of me. And I've learned now, long enough now, to where I allow that to happen. I, I listen to that intuitive thought. When something's in the back of my throat, I'll let it out. This guy was sitting out in my little ashram in the backyard. The ashram, we call it, because that's where we smoke and talk about God. And, <laughs> and we're sitting out in the backyard, and this guy's wife has just left him, and he was in a lot of pain. And he, was, he had done a fifth step with me, and we were going through this. And I, I looked at him as he was, and he was crying. He was a very emotional. It was a painful time. And I looked at him, and I said, I will never leave you, ever. And his face changed, and he cried, and he looked at me and said, thank you. Now, where does that come from? Mm-hmm. I didn't plan to say that, you know. I mean, I mean that's intimacy. I really felt that too. I will never leave you. There's no, there'd be no reason for me to leave you. Why would I? You know, my sponsors never left me. There's people I'm, Matthew Mitchell's never left me. You know, there's people I'm incredibly close to, like part of the fam. Where do you learn that? I didn't bring that in with me when I came to AA. That was not in me. I have been transformed. The most powerful mechanism that I've experienced in Alcoholics Anonymous for transformation is sponsorship. Nothing has changed me more than working with you. You know, I I have been invited into the birthing room when you were having your babies because you wanted me there because I'm a significant person in your life. That wasn't happening to me when I got here in 1985. You've also invited me in when your babies are dying and I've held your hand and wept with you at the tragedy in your life. That's true. That's happened. You know, I've sat with you when you were dying. People sat with me when I was dying. People were coming over to my house saying goodbye to me. Right. And I got the liver transplant and you all showed up in the hospital inappropriately in (laughs) numbers, you know, and the, 
the nurses, when you're in the liver department, they know that these people are from AA because they're working with all the AA people, you know? <laughs> and, and what I realized, the outpouring of love that came to me was difficult for me to accept. Isn't that interesting? Sometimes one of the things you discover about yourself that, that deep down inside that feel of feeling of unworthiness, it hangs out, right? So here I am 30 some years sober and people are showing their affection and I realize there's kind of a resistance or I felt funny about it. And, and in my own way, I just kind of laughed at myself, you know, at that thinking mind that was coming up that you don't deserve this. The answer was like, shut up, you know, and you just feel it, you know. You can tell how spiritual you are if you're surrounded by people that love you. I don't think that's arrogant of me. That is the reality of my life. I am surrounded by people that love me. You know why? Because I've become lovable. And when I got here, I wasn't. I was big and angry and loud and arrogant and pompous. Sometimes I can still go back to that, but there's no energy in it anymore. That isn't who I am. It never was who I was. You know, I am not my thinking mind. Oh, I love it, Bill. <clears throat> As always, we go down little rabbit trails that I do not expect that we are going to go on. And uh, but that's the, the the joy of doing this podcast and being able to talk to folks not only like you, but many others. Um, and um, I'm going to go ahead and close it up now with uh chapter with a page 164 from the big book it says abandon yourself to god as you understand god admit your faults to him and to your fellows clear away the wreckage of your past give freely of what you find much like we've been talking about and join us we shall be with you in the fellowship of the spirit and you will surely meet some of us like me and Bill C., as you trudge the road of happy destiny, may God bless you and keep you until then. Bill, I am sure that this is not going to be our last conversation. Uh, we have had many, and uh, I hope to continue this dialogue very soon if you'll come back on and share time with me again. Will you be up for that? You bet. One, and one final thought. They say that you have to give it away to keep it. No, you have to give it away to even get it. That's how you get it. Well put, well put. All right, Bill, thank you again. And once again, I'll be reaching out to you to uh, schedule some uh, additional time with you to uh, talk about some different subjects. Thank you again so much. Thank you, John, so much. God bless. As always, Mr. Bill C., thank you so much for your wisdom and insight. We will look forward to having you back on Sober Speak at some point in the future. We're through the steps, but we have plenty of other topics that we can cover with Mr. Bill C. I guarantee you. Now remember, we don't want you sharing your gossip, but we would love you sharing this episode with a friend or family member, if it hit you in a positive way, it may be just what they need today. So pause your device and share out that episode as you are able. Now, on to a little bit of a listener feedback for you. Andrea writes in, 
from Sweden. And Andrea says, hi, John. Thanks so much for doing Sober Speak. It helps me a lot to listen to other alcoholics share their stories, experience, strength, and hope. I really enjoy your calm and fun styles in the talks, and I enjoy the laughs and fun stuff, too. We are not a glum lot. She was referring to a passage from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. She says, I would like to be invited to the super secret Facebook group. Thanks and best regard. Andre, uh, Andreas is Andreas. Uh, I think it's Andrea C from Sweden. Well, Miss Andrea, as you know, we got you out that super secret Facebook. Oh, Ellen, by the way. Now I'm all thrown off because at the beginning of this, Irma said something about making it the super duper secret Facebook group. And now my head is just swimming with that, 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 that phrase in my head. And I can't stop it from going round and round and round. Nonetheless, we got you that invite out and uh, we'll look forward to having you as part of the group. And I don't think I said this on the front end, but if you are out there and you say to yourself, John M., how do I get into the super secret Facebook group? I have not heard an episode before. Well, it is quite simple. Either somebody from within the group invites you or you send me your email associated with your Facebook uh, account to John, J-O-H-N, at SoberSpeak.com and I, moi, will send you out an invite. It's that simple. Hamish writes in from New Zealand. We are truly international. We got Sweden. We got New Zealand. Uh, and uh, I, I just love you guys out there. Anyways, uh, Hamish says, hi, John. I've been listening. Uh, or I've been sober since May 27th of 2019. After struggling with alcohol for 25 or more years, I'm very grateful for your podcast. I live in, I think it's Dundon is how you pronounce that. Dundon from New Zealand. And I really enjoy Bill C, Matthew M and JS and so many more. If any of your guests were to ever come to New Zealand, I would fly anywhere in New Zealand to hear them speak. Once again, thank you for your service. I will continue to listen between meetings. God bless Mr. Hamish. I, I put the Mr. in there. So Hamish, thank you so much for writing in, my friend. I appreciate it. And man, I would love to get to New Zealand myself. So uh, it, it, it's a, uh, uh, I, you know, I watch these things on, a, you know, like HGTV or something like that. I, I, I'm assuming most people are going to know what that is. And anyway, you see the, the New Zealand and the uh, uh, Australia uh, uh, segments. And I'm always thinking, what a beautiful country. And I love all you people that write in from Australia and New Zealand, all you uh, Kiwis out there in New Zealand. And uh, and anyway, I- I'm stuttering now, but I just, I just absolutely love it when you people write in. So thank you so much for writing in, Mr. Hamish. Did I get that right? Hamish. Yes, Hamish. Could be Hamish, but I got a feeling it's Hamish. Nonetheless, James writes in and James says, Hi, John. I am in Irvine, California. I've been there many times, Mr. James, and I have 85 days of continuous sobriety. I came to AA last March 11th, and then on March 16, everything shit down here in California. I guess it's supposed to be that. I made it till about late May and then went back. Oh, I think he's saying everything went to 
it down, you know, went to shit down here in California. He says, I made it till about late May and then I went back to the booze and the prescription pills. He's talking about COVID. Anyway, she, he's, he says on, on uh, 12, 10, 20, I butt dialed a guy. <laughs> oh my gosh. I met in AA back last March and I hung up as soon as I realized I was calling this guy. <laughs> Oh, God never ceases to amaze, does he? He called me right back, and to make a long story short, he invited me to an outside meeting the next day. I didn't go that day, and I drank instead, but on 12-12-20, I called him back and went to the meeting, and I haven't drank since then. Oh, that's great. I finally got a sponsor in a few weeks ago, and I'm now on step three. I was looking for recovery slash AA type podcast, and I found you, John M., and I have been listening to your podcast pretty much every day in between meetings for the past month or so. Glad you're out there, and thank you for the podcast, John James R. Well, I'm glad you're out there. If you weren't listening, uh, this would not be fun, you and everybody else, but you know, this is just a... This is a WE program, as you know, and I'm glad you are on the right track, Mr. James R. I'm glad that butt dial turned out to be <laughs> a good thing. Ryan writes in and he says, uh, first, uh, I am committed to say amen, brother. Thank you so much for your service. Well, thank you, Ryan. He says, it's truly a blessing from God that he blessed you with your gift of being of service with the dedication and enthusiasm that you provide. And he's got praying hands, smiley hands, and then like a little party uh, what are those things uh, when, you know, you, there, there's a lot of confetti coming out of it? Uh, anyway, it, it's a party symbol. Nonetheless, uh, I was told about your podcast shortly after moving to Texas from Montana in 2017. I started listening and I have just about listened to your entire series. What a blessing. It is what I needed when traveling the Texas Hill Country. Oh, that's beautiful down there, the Texas Hill Country. I I um, wrote, if you will, or experienced a lot of my story before getting to Alcoholics Anonymous down there in that Texas Hill Country. Ryan, uh, I sure did. But anyway, it says, I've been sober for 28 years, and I'm always searching to better myself, and your podcast is helping. So my question for you is, I would be honored to hear your story Oh, as a guest on your show. Yes, I remember this now. Uh, and then he's got smiley faces, like three big f smiley faces and clapping hands and all that stuff. He says, I'm in Bernie, Texas, uh, but I will attend the Frisco group one of these days. We'd love to have you, Mr. Uh, Ryan. Come on up. Uh, keep doing what God is providing you to do until we meet Big Sky Ryan D. Well, Mr. Big Sky Ryan D, I appreciate your request for me to be on my own podcast. And for whatever reason, I've been asked this before. I can't really put it into words, but it's hard for me to pull the trigger on me featuring myself. <laughs> on my own podcast. I've been on a lot of other podcasts before. I've told my story a million times, like, you know, either via Zoom and or, you know, in live meetings or whatever. But so far, I've just not been able to pull the trigger on that. Maybe, perhaps I will one day, but I appreciate your uh, 
interest uh, in hearing uh, me talk on my podcast. Steve writes in, he says, good morning, John. I guess you wrote this in the morning. What do you think? He says, my sobriety date is December 4, 2019. I started drinking alcoholically in 2006. Is that, a, is that a real word, alcoholically, or is that just something that we in AA say? Nonetheless, in 2016, after my wife passed away from cancer, cancer, she was my life, my reason for living. I was in so much emotional pain, I just couldn't stand it, so I chose vodka to kill the pain. Well, it worked for a short time, and then it didn't, but I couldn't stop. So I continued for a few years. I thought that I was only affecting my own life, but I was wrong. I was hurting my children because I didn't hide my drinking. On the evening of December 3rd, 2019, I asked God for help. And before I realized it, I was on the phone making arrangements to check myself into a rehab center. 28 days later, I was discharged on uh, New Year's Day and went to my first AA meeting. God saved me by leading me to an AA. Oh, God saved me by leading me to AA. A new year, a new life. I am born and raised in South Jersey, but now I'm in the process of moving to the Pocono Mountains. I am now retired, and and Pennsylvania is more. Uh, oh, I am now retired in. And Pennsylvania is a more tax-friendly state than New Jersey for someone on a fixed income. I discovered your podcast in February of last year. I could not single out one speaker that I like, but they are all great. If I were to single out someone, Reno John and Julia Kay had me laughing my ass off. <laughs> Thanks again, Steve V. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Mr. Steve V. For writing in, <clears throat> I sure do appreciate it. By the way, I'm having a little, 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 little challenge. I got some allergies today, and uh, you know, it's interesting. Before you actually start recording these things, I've always found this interesting. I have to like cough several times and clear my throat several times, and then just hope that I last. Sometimes I don't last. Sometimes I do, but I don't know. It's, it's something I never really thought of. I'd enter in the the podcasting world. That's a little bit more than you probably needed to know about my phlegm and my throat. <laughs> there you go. Jimmy. Oh, Jimmy. I got Jimmy for writing in. Jimmy writes in. He says, hi, John. My name is Jimmy S. And I live in the Charleston, South Carolina area. And I have been sober for three years last Thursday, 225. Wee-haw! Mr. Jimmy, that is great. And I will celebrate three my three years of recovery on March 26, the day I got out of treatment. I have been working, that's right around the corner here, Jimmy. He says, I have been working at a mega church for 18 years and I got, quote, lost as the clamors of this world overtook me. If some of you don't know what a mega church is, it's just a it's a big old church uh, where they have lots of stuff going on. But anyway, I know what he means by mega church. He says, guilt and shame was so intense as I got closer, closer to my jumping off point. But by this power greater than Jimmy, I was able to reach out for help through many people in my life, exactly like one of your guests, Gary Kay. 
I was able to shine light on alcoholism in my life and as it exists, even on a church's staff. I am so passionate about the 12-step program and how exactly it led me to a personal relationship with my God. I listen to a recovery podcast every night after my 11th step, and about a year ago, I found you guys on Podbean. I get excited every week when you release a new episode, John, and I want to tell you that you are making a huge impact, man. I would love to watch a live version of Sober Speak on Zoom, but I'm not quite sure of when it happens uh, or the Zoom info. Can't wait to see you guys live online, and I appreciate you so much. Blessings, Jimmy S. Well, First of all, thank you for writing in, Jimmy. I appreciate it. And thank you for sharing your experience, strength, and hope. In regards to a live event, I've already got a speaker lined up. I just have to get off my tail and get the time and get motivated to get another live event scheduled. When we get it scheduled, I'll put it on the website, Jimmy. I'll announce it. Uh, we'll have it on Instagram. We'll have it on Facebook. I won't hide it, uh, you know, um, uh, and uh, and. And, and we'll just have some fun, but it's just really, it's about me. I used to do them about four of them a year when I was doing them live, but when COVID came along, I kind of slowed down the, the, the pace a little bit, but I do want to get another one scheduled so we can all get on and enjoy each other. One way you can kind of come see us is, is to come to that uh, yoga meeting that we have on Sunday afternoons that Megan leads, but uh, I completely get it. Last but not least, folks, Libby, Libby writes in and she says, when you got Libby, Libby, Libby on the table, 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 you like it, like it, like it on the label, label, label. She does not say that at all. That is just me being completely ridiculous. (laughs) Oh, some of the younger folks will not know what in the heck I'm talking about there. But some of you uh, 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 more mature folks uh, should be able to uh, grasp that joke. Nonetheless, Libby says, hey, John, I have enjoyed following the podcast, especially on long plane rides for business trips pre-pandemic and post-relapse when there was some tough moments where I couldn't get to a meeting, but I was still connected in some way via your podcast. Oh, that's great, Libby. She says, I have learned even more in the past two years, the powerless of the powerlessness of my disease and the subtle tricks it can use for attack attack when least expected through my alcohol relapse in June of 2019 after 16 years clean. It does happen, folks, all the time, unfortunately. And Libby says, I love that you mix Al-Anon and AA speakers on Sober Speak. You tackle the tough subjects, and I have step speaker topics as well. I also like that people are free to share their authentic stories with drugs and alcohol. Very powerful stuff. So many of the speakers resonate with me, but most recently I listened to Andrew and Jared, and those were very courageous stories where I could relate so, so much. Keep up the good work, John M. Libby. Well, Libby, 
Lebe, thank you so much for writing in. Lebe, why am I doing a horse thing and Libby at the same time? God only knows. All right, we are done with one more episode of Sober Speak, folks. I take this one week at a time. I will try to come, I will try my best to come back next week. God bless you. Love you guys. Keep coming back. It works if you work it.